Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the What's Up APS podcast. I'm your host, Frank Bellavia with School and Community Relations. And today we're going to talk about the instructional program pathways or IPP process that we are undertaking um, this spring. And joining me on the podcast today, we have Assistant Superintendent of Teaching and Learning, Tara Natris. We've got Jeanette Allen with Student Services, Chip Bonner, the Principal of New Directions, and Katie Willett, a seventh grade teacher at Williamsburg Middle School. And I want to thank you all for, for joining us this afternoon. Thanks, Frank. Um, Tara, why don't we start with you and just right off the bat, what is the uh, Pre-K-12 Instructional Programs Pathway, or IPP? The Pre-K-12 Instructional Program Pathways is really to help us do a couple of different things. One is to define what we mean when we talk about options or options programs within APS. So currently we have options such as Montessori, options such as Arlington Tech, and what we're really looking at as we um, create new schools and we do school boundaries is to really think about how do we define those options? What makes an option distinctly different from what we already are offering in all of our neighborhood schools. So the first part of this work is really to define that. How are our options different from what's happening in neighborhood schools? And then the second piece is really to then develop the vision for these instructional pathways so that students can enter into various options, whether it's in kindergarten or in middle school or in high school, that we have pre-K-12 articulation where it's appropriate. So some students may want access to an IB program from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. Are we currently doing that if that's a need? And if not, how do we make sure that that's something that's in place for APS? and that we make sure that whatever our pathways are, are very clear to our families, and that people coming into APS or who have been in APS can easily access information about what options we have, as well as information on our neighborhood schools. So how did this come about? Uh, why do we need it? And when? what's the timeline for it being implemented? Uh, one of the reasons that we're really um, working on this right now is because there are a lot of elements that are coming together at once. Um, specifically, we have the new APS strategic plan that will take us through 2024. Part of that plan is that we have said we will increase high quality options for pre-K-12 instructional models, both within and beyond our neighborhood schools. So our strategic plan really is laying out our work for the next six years as a school division. And and with that, we also have boundary processes that are taking place. We have an updated options and transfer policy. We are opening new schools over the next several years because of the enrollment growth um, that we have taking place. And it really is important to us as a school division that we have an equal opportunity of access to the various things available to our students. And so those are some of the operational things that are all coming together at once. The other piece really has a lot to do with what's happening happening in teaching and learning and our shift in schools overall. With the profile of a Virginia graduate, there is a focus on communication, creative thinking, collaboration, critical thinking. We want to see those things in all of our schools. And so again, then if we have options, how are those different, right? If this is what we want to see, um, whether it's project-based learning or focus on the five C's that I just spoke to, how then will that be different from some of our neighborhood schools and what makes it a distinctly different experience for our students. Okay. Uh, Katie, talk about um, 
who's involved in developing the IPP, um, but what the role of teachers is and why it's important to have them on, on the committee. Okay. The IPP has been a collaborative project between counselors, principals, assistant principals, coordinators of various departments in teaching and learning. Teachers have been part of that. We've had members from school and community relations, um, planning and evaluation, and other parts of APS like transportation that all play a part in helping students activate and participate in these different options. Um, the role of teachers in this has been having those of us who are in the classroom every day with students talk about what programs have been, how those programs work with students, and also looking at moving forward with many of the things that Tara talked about of increasing numbers, um, profile of a graduate, how do we continue to provide a high level of quality education for all students, but also um, be very strategic about thinking through this and having that input from those of us who are in that day-to-day -day with the students. And piggybacking off of that, Chip, what's the principal's perspective in this? How does the principals fit in in the overall committee to help um, with the IPP process? Well, it's important to us because we know that um, students succeed in different ways. And so uh, some students might need more structure and support. Others uh, may do better in a bigger, wider, open uh, classroom area. Uh, some do well in a college-type atmosphere. Um, and, and so we know that uh, all students learn, but maybe not all in the same way and not on the same day. And so we want to be able to provide options where uh, we can help each one of our students succeed and really support the whole child. Talking about the, uh, the, the process, will it lead to any changes in the number of locations or programs or um, current APS option programs, neighborhood schools, will any of that change? Is that part of this process? So our goal is to have the framework developed by June and through that development really thinking about how will this play into future decisions for APS. So as we are opening new schools, as we are thinking about boundary processes, part of what we want to be able to do is say, okay, we're opening this new school in 2021. How does it fit within what we've said in the pathways? If we've said, for example, that we should have three different types of an option and currently APS only has one of those as we're opening a new school does that new school fit to maybe increase from one to two to eventually get us to the three so as we're doing this work we're really thinking about where do we want to be as a school division 10 years from now and how is we're moving forward and making decisions in the future will we be able to use this framework to help us with that decision making um, we've done some of this work before over the last couple of years as we were thinking about the education Center and what's happening with the Education Center additional seats, right, that we are putting there um, over the next several years. And we worked with the Washington Lee community to think about how this could look. And we worked with a broader community. And that was a thoughtful, helpful process. Part of what we also want to be able to do is look at our work systemically. So instead of when we open a new school, say, well, what should the um, option or the program, should this be a neighborhood school or should it be an option? That we're not making those decisions for individual schools as they're opening, but we have a plan that guides us for the next 10 years to say, here's what we want as a school division. Now, how do these new schools or how does this boundary process fit into that? Mm -hmm. Now that's talking about your 
elementary, middle, and high school, but what about other programs like Langston, Arlington Community High School, your program, New Directions? How do those fit into this process? And so um, it's very important to be able to offer families and students options to succeed, but I think it's also important that they know where those options are, what the options are, how they, they get into those schools. Some are referrals, uh, some are not. And so it's important for us to make that known. And then uh, once we know what's best for families and for students, then we can direct them. And since we're growing and growing very fast, we're trying to be proactive on that and get ahead of it. And so we want to make sure that uh, we have the options available for all the families that we serve here in APS. And, and so for some, that would be a smaller structured environment. For some, it may not be. Uh, for some, uh, you know, we have programs like Esau Hilt. Uh, for those that need second language learners, we have uh, programs for uh, our students that have decided uh, they're working, they need to work a job and, and work the education around their job, or maybe they want to come back and get their diploma because they didn't get it you know, when they were a teenager. And so we just want to be able to help every, every student succeed from, you know, what a kindergarten to 55. Okay. Um, we're, so we're talking about the pre-K-12 uh, instructional programs pathways. Um, and we're going to go back and, and uh, Katie, um, how has the community been involved in this process? And I know you've been part of it for the beginning, since the beginning now. Uh, information has been made available online at the APS website, and there have been a series of emails sent out containing information through different steps of the process. Uh, there has also been a committee of staff that has met starting in January. In February, the school board had a work session. Then uh, in March, principals and um, other staff groups met through the advisory council and uh, capitals programs also met then the committee that started in january came back together in april and then there will be a meeting coming up for the community to learn more uh, in just a few days okay uh Jeanette. Um, how can families um, share their thoughts and questions about the, the IPP? And um, as Kay just mentioned, there's an event coming up on April 30th. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that as well. Okay. Well, um, community members um, can access a questionnaire that's available online in English and in Spanish at APSVA.us slash engage through May 13th. And also they could write to engage at APSVA.us. And then, as you mentioned, there's a community open house um, on April 30th, and APS will host that from 7 to 9 at Kenmore Middle School in the cafeteria, and community members are invited to drop in at their convenience and learn more about the IPP process and ask questions and share their input. The event will include bilingual staff and information on the IPP process, the elements informing it, such as the strategic plan and the Virginia profile of a graduate, as mentioned earlier, as well as APS options offered today and potential for the future options. And lastly, community members at this event uh, will have the opportunity to provide input on the initial working draft definition of options within the IPP framework. Okay. Um, and I you mentioned that um, questionnaire opens on the 26th and runs through May. It, May 13th. May it's 13th. available till May 13th, yes. Um, I, I just want to go back real quick um, on something, Tara. We, we talked about the profile of a graduate. Um, is the community really using that f the framework that the state set to help define some of these pathways? 
or is it just kind of a guiding that's mm -hmm. there? So the profile of a graduate is something we want for all students within APS. And so what that is doing, really not just in APS but across the state, is shifting the focus of education overall. So thinking about the fact that yes, our students need content knowledge, they also need opportunities to build workplace skills, they also need opportunities for career planning, they need opportunities to engage civically within um, our community. And again, going back to those ideas of what is it that you do with the content knowledge, right? So we can get information anywhere now with um, all of the technology that's available. So education is shifting into the um, idea that is much more about what do I do with that information? So how do I communicate that information? How do I think about it really critically? How do I consider what the perspective is with this particular idea? And so the profile of a graduate is actually guiding what is the work that we want to be doing in classrooms for all of our kids? What do we want those learning experiences to be? What this is about really is what is the instructional approach or the instructional model that fits best for some students and their learning styles, right? Or their philosophy. So Montessori has a different philosophy than what a neighborhood public school in APS or any place else in Virginia would have. And so we want to provide those opportunities. There are students who benefit greatly from having a bilingual experience and we want to ensure that our students who are interested in that have that opportunity. So there's this foundation within the profile that we want all kids to have and that all of our students are learning the same curriculum, right? Through Virginia we have the standards of learning, everyone is doing that. It's more about what is the distinct instructional approach that we would be providing with these options and as Chip was saying, whether that's a smaller environment for some students who um, really thrive on a smaller environment where there are other students who being in a neighborhood high school that have all of the things that we think about when we think about comprehensive neighborhood high schools really thrive in. So what we're trying to do is get a balance of what are the options, what are our neighborhood schools, and how do we make sure that all of our students can access those things through the processes we have in place. Um, so we do talk a lot about equal access to apply, knowing that we have wait lists for a lot of our options programs but balancing those options with our neighborhood schools to make sure all of our kids can thrive um, in whatever school that they select with an APS. Um, what have you heard from community today? Um, I know there's been a visioning session that included reps from all schools and programs. What sort of things have they said? So we have worked closely with the Advisory Council on Instruction. Um, we met with them in February, and that group actually has a representative from every school as well. And then we had a community meeting with representatives from each of the schools where we shared some of the drafts of our definition of options. So as we're trying to define what really um, makes a school distinct from a neighborhood school, if it's going to be an option, as well as what are the kinds of options we may want to consider within APS. And so as we've looked at the definitions, we have talked some about making sure that people know that all of our students are taught the same core curriculum, that if we are going to implement an option, it is really important to our community that it is distinct and that it's evidence-based, that we know that it will be successful for our students, and also making sure that people do understand that a lot of the work is based on our capacity and specific criteria, as Chip was saying, whether it's through a recommendation to a program or an application process um, that we're currently using. And then 
talking with our community about. So what are our current options that we have available and that what might some additional future possibilities be? So people have thrown ideas out there like fine and performing arts or having an early college program or a museum school um, and what those might look like if we were to implement them in APS. So the next steps in our process <coughs> Excuse me. Are really to build um, what the demand might be in APS. So the questionnaire that um, was referenced earlier is a way that we're going to be able to do that. To say, here are all of the things we're considering. Are you interested in that? And if so, um, at the elementary level, the middle school level, or the high school level, so that we get that balance right. Coming up with those different models. So you mentioned a museum model, or you mentioned um, immersion and things like that. What would be the steps to, to put those into play to actually make those a school for our students or an instructional model for our students? Because it's not just, oh, tomorrow we're going to open up or at the start of the school year we're going to open up a new program. Part of what the staff team has been looking at as we've been doing this work are First, what is the evidence base behind it to make sure that whatever we would be implementing instructionally has a solid foundation behind it? And then looking at what are a lot of those processes that need to be in place. Um, first, working with the staff on what's the vision for this particular option? What do we want that to look like within APS? And then getting into things like professional learning for teachers. What are the kinds of materials that may be different, right? When you talk about immersion, you have to have resources in multiple languages. And so what would that look like? And kind of mapping those things before we ever put a program into place within a school. And then some of the other things that are coming out of this conversation are also what are the impacts on APS operationally? So thinking about transportation, thinking about what are the application and admission processes to our particular options. So all of those things would have to be considered before we actually get into the now we're going to implement it um, with our students. So it could be well down the line. It's not something that's happening in the next year or two. Yes, and as we talked about before, it is part of the as we're opening new schools, as we're considering boundaries, if this is the framework that we're laying out and we've said we really think that our students would benefit from having something like a museum school, and I'm not saying that that's on the list. We haven't finished all of our engagement, right? I say this in every meeting. Um, nothing's been decided, but if we were to do that, then thinking about our new schools, thinking about the boundaries, is there a place where a museum school would fit as that new school is being opened? And then, as you said, what are the steps that we would need to take to get that implemented as the new school is starting to roll? And there's a lot that goes into that, as we've noticed. If you were following the opening of a new middle school, uh, Dorothy Ham, there's a lot that goes into that. So, okay. um, so community members, um, if you're interested, there is an open house on April 30th um, at Kenmore Middle School from 7 to 9 p.m. It's a drop-by, your convenience type of event. Um, we'll have a number of staff there to talk about that. Um, community members, even staff, can also find information on the Engage website, apsva.us slash engage. Um, click on the IPP tab, and then you can find all the information on that. And our um, questionnaire that Jeanette referenced earlier starts on the 26th and runs through May 13th. So it looks like there's a lot of opportunity coming up for um, community members, families, and staff to get involved and, and see what's going on and also offer their opportunity, their input. Yes, and we will also be um, talking more about the Pre-K-12 IPP at the ACI meeting. So the Advisory Council on Instruction um, will be talking about this again on Wednesday, May the 1st. And that will, again, include someone from each one of our schools. Okay. 
I want to thank all of you for taking your um, time out of your afternoon to come in and, and, and talk about the IPP. I know there's a lot going on in all the different meetings and, and the different parts of this. It's 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 quite the process. And thank Kathy Minberg from Planning and Evaluation for helping to put um, this together. If you have any other questions, you can email staff at engage at APSVA.us and staff will respond to your email. And we'll see you uh, next week at our April 30th open house at Kenmore Middle School. And again, thanks for listening to uh, the What's Up APS podcast. You can find us on TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your your podcasts. And if you have a future topic you want to hear, please email us at APSnews at APSVA.us. Thanks a lot.